0: Okay, the reading this evening is um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 to 11. And you can find that on page 1153 in the Red Church Bibles. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, about spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all people. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. This is the word of the
1: Lord. Excellent. Good evening, everybody. Uh, For those of you that don't know me, my name is Ellie, and I am uh, on the student team here at HT. And, um, yeah, really looking forward to... uh, seeing what God has in store as we look at this passage together tonight. So keep it open in front of you, um, and I'm just going to pray for us as we begin. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity we've got tonight to gather as your people, to worship you, to learn from you, to receive from you. And we pray, Lord God, that even now you'd be softening our hearts, opening our eyes, (laughs) Um, Lord, helping us to receive all that you have for us. God, we don't want to miss out (laughs) on your good gifts tonight. Father, would you be speaking to each one of us and ministering to us in a way that only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. Excellent. Well, as some of you know... um, and have, I've mentioned this before. Um, before I came here uh, to work with students, I was a children's and youth worker, and. I spent four years um, in some little rural villages um, in Hertfordshire, and um, I was, yeah, spent an awful lot of my time there in primary schools, running lunchtime clubs, school assemblies, uh, RE lessons, just generally going and playing with the children. And um, if you've ever spent, um, which I know lots of you have, time um, with uh, little People, it's not long before you have some funny stories to tell um, about some of the the funny things that they do, some of the brilliant uh, little things that they come out with. And I just wanted to begin tonight by sharing a couple of my favourites. Um, so, when I was um, in my first year there, I was running a lunchtime club for year three and four. So these children were seven and eight years old. Um, we had decided that we would uh, do a quiz with these children. Um, and so we 'd sent them off into the four corners of the gym in the primary school, and it was there was a lot of children there and we 'd got them to, to get into teams, which I later found out was a total mistake, and we needed to uh, give them a little more instruction. but this occasion we got them to pick their own teams and we found that there was a massive kind of argument, a big scene breaking out in the corner of the gym, um, and we went over to find out what the fuss was all about. Um, and um, when we asked what, what's the problem, um, they came up to me, and one little girl um, came to me and she said, but Ellie, you don't understand. <laughs> we want to have Maddie on our team because they've got Maddie, and she, Maddie's been baptized, so she's going to know all of the answers. It's just not fair. <laughs> So they were fighting over Maddie because Maddie was the only one of that little group of girls that had been baptised. And then a couple of years later, um, I was walking along the common with my then intern and um, we were off duty. um, But there was no such thing really as being off duty in a small uh, rural village. But um, we were walking along the common and there was um, these children came running up to us. um, And they um, asked us very earnestly, Ellie and Tom, are you Jewish? (laughs) To to which we had a bit of a panic because, you know, we've just spent the last two years um, teaching these children about Jesus and about Christianity. um, And they'd somehow along the way managed to completely miss the point. But um, there were some more positive stories as well. But those um, were a couple that really amused me. You know, very often children would completely miss the point and it was very entertaining and at times, like my experience on the Common, a little disheartening. (laughs) Well, the Corinthians' ignorance around spiritual gifts was probably a little disheartening for Paul too, which is why he begins this next section of his letter with these words. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant In the past, before these people knew Christ, they'd been influenced and led astray to mute idols. And even now, Paul knows that when it came to spiritual gifts, they were still ignorant. They'd started to worship the gifts rather than the giver. And they saw them more as trophies to show off than tools to help them live for God. They were seen as a kind of status symbol for the spiritually elite. And so Paul is writing in this section of the letter to correct their understanding, to help them out, to teach them about what spiritual gifts really are. And it's really important that we notice that before Paul says anything about spiritual gifts and what they're for, He wants to set something straight. And he says this at the very beginning of our reading that we had tonight, that the very first mark of being filled with the Spirit is not the manifestation of a particular gift, but the basic confession that Jesus is Lord. And we see that in verse 3. Because you see, the Holy Spirit will always shine the spotlight on Christ. The Holy Spirit will always put Christ center stage. The Holy Spirit won't lead us to mute idols, but to the one who is truly Lord. And if you are a follower of Jesus tonight, if you have confessed that he is Lord, then you have the Holy Spirit living in you. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. How amazing is that? But Paul doesn't end there. From this foundation, he goes on to teach them about the Holy Spirit gifts that God wants to pour out into our lives so that we can become more like the one that we say is Lord. You see, the Holy Spirit doesn't just enable us to declare who Jesus is. He gives us gifts so we can become more like him and become more like the church that he has called us to be. After Jesus had died and risen from the dead, he um, spends several days with his disciples And then right before he leaves them to go back to heaven to be with his Father, we read at the end of Matthew's gospel in Matthew chapter 28, he gives them these instructions. He says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. You know, I don't know if you've ever had that experience of reading through a job description, maybe even your own, and thinking, how on earth could I ever do that? That is just impossible. Well, you know, I'm sure that for those disciples, that felt a little bit like that. You know, that is a pretty big job description, to go and make disciples of all nations. You cannot really get much better and bigger than that. But at the end, Jesus says this, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. You don't have to do this on your own. And in Acts 1 verse 8, we read Jesus, before he goes to be with the Father, he tells them, how he's going to be with them. He says this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He doesn't just say that he's going to be next to us. He doesn't just say that he's going to be there patting us on the back, there, there, it'll all be okay. He has power to give us, power to help us, power to equip us, And if we're going to be his witnesses, if we are going to go and do what he's called us to do, we need his power. And tonight, we may not be being led astray to mute idols as a result of the ignorance around spiritual gifts like the Corinthians were. But maybe, like the Corinthians, we're still missing the point and so somehow missing out on the power God wants to give us that we might be his hands and his feet in the world. And maybe, tonight, the reason you're missing out is because as you read uh, these verses, as you hear talks like this on spiritual gifts, you have this sinking feeling that when the presents are given out, you won't get one. And so you distance yourself and you hide away to save any awkwardness or embarrassment. Well, tonight, the very first thing I want you to hear is that the gifts are for you. Tonight, don't zone out, don't hide away. God wants to bless you with his gifts. If you you follow Jesus, then you already have his spirit living in you, and he wants to give you gifts to help you to continue to live for him. In verse 6, in verse 7, in verse 11 of this passage, we read how the gifts are given to all people, to each one. No one is left out. We all get to play. And contrary to popular Corinthian opinion, the spiritual gifts are not set aside for the spiritual elite or the superior. If you're in the body of Christ, then you are included in the present giving. So now we've got that straight, I just want us to have a look at three truths about these spiritual gifts that Paul's talking about that will hopefully help us out. And the very first thing I want to say is that these gifts that Paul is talking about are given, not earned. Spiritual gifts are given. And that might seem like a really obvious point. But I felt I needed to to say it tonight because I need to say it to myself to remind myself. Because whilst it might be obvious, of course a gift is given. You know, it's the very definition of a gift. I think we can so easily forget it. As I already mentioned, the Corinthians saw the, the gift as a sign of power or status. And I think that that's a trap that we can fall into too. You know, maybe we think that, well, when I follow Jesus for a little while longer, when I'm older, when I know more of my Bible, whatever it might be, you know, th- then God might give me the gifts. We think there's this sense in which we graduate up to spiritual gifts, as if they're some kind of trophy based on our achievements. But the very nature of the fact they are gifts is that we cannot earn them. Earning them is not the language of gifts. You know, I wonder if you've ever had that experience of being abroad on holiday where they speak a different language and you're you know, desperately there trying unsuccessfully to, to communicate with someone. You know, if you're anything like me, you, you maybe speak louder, you use extravagant hand gestures to try to communicate what you want to say, but no matter how loud or flamboyant or good at charades you get, you're still not understood. Why? Because you're speaking in the wrong language. And I think it can be a little bit like this when we try and earn these gifts through our own efforts, when we see them as trophies, as something we graduate up to, we're speaking in a different language to the gift giver, and it doesn't work. We speak in the language of earning, and God speaks in the language of grace. And so we somehow put this barrier up to receiving the fullness of what he wants to give us. The gifts are no reflection of age or ability or status. And I learned this uh, when I particularly actually when I was working with the the, the young um, younger youth. Um, sometimes they, you know, we'd have times of praying for each other and listening to God for each other. And some of the words that they would share, I know this because some of them were shared with me, and they were so spot on, to the point once where we went away on a weekend away um, just before I actually moved here, and I was considering leaving, but I hadn't said a word to them. And I can remember this message one of the young people wrote in my card, and it was so spot on, and it was so significant um, in me choosing to, to come here. And he had no idea what he'd written. He had no idea. It was only later, once I told them, and they all knew that I was going, I told him, and I, and I was encouraging him in this gift that he had. Um, to you know, He clearly had listened to God, and God had used him and helped me make my decision about what I was going to do. And in the end, his sister was really annoyed with him because she blamed him for the fact that I left. <laughs> um. But, you know, what Paul is describing here are not spiritual earnings or spiritual wages or spiritual rewards, but spiritual gifts. You know, maybe you're thinking, well, that's all good, that's all great, but are they good gifts? You know, maybe when you think of gifts, you think of those kind of slightly interesting presents that you've been given over the years. (laughs) You know, the ones that after a little while migrate to the loft or maybe even to the charity shop. But unlike that relative who somehow manages to get it so spectacularly wrong every year. God doesn't give out rubbish presents. He doesn't make mistakes. He knows just what we need. He knows what is best for us and for his church. And he gives them, as verse 11 says, just as he determines our God is a good gift giver. And in Matthew 7, Jesus says, If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Now maybe you look around you and you think, Well, their gift's better than mine. (laughs) The gifts God God has given me are pretty useless. (laughs) But let me tell you afresh tonight that God doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't have any present disasters. The spiritual gifts are given by a good gift giver. That's the first truth I want to set out before us tonight. And the second is this gifts are given for our good. In Corinth, people had been using gifts to make themselves look good, to manipulate others and for their own self-interest. But in verse 7, we read uh, that Paul uh, says this, Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. God doesn't give gifts so we look good, but for the common good. Not for my good, but for our good for the good of his church. And a little bit later, in chapter 14, verse 12, Paul writes that since you are eager to have spiritual gifts, try to excel in gifts that build up the church. This is the goal of the gifts. They're not just given for our individual good, but for the common good, so that the body of Christ can be built up. And in a little while, we're going to have a chance to pray for one another to receive spiritual gifts. And as we do that, it's not just going to be the people that are prayed for that are going to be blessed. As we pray for one another to receive gifts, we're going to be blessed because they are given for the common good. They're given for everyone to enjoy. So instead of, of, of thinking, you know, why can't I have what so-and-so has got? Thank God that they've got that gift, that they can bless you with it. And think about what you've got, the gift God has given you, that you might be a blessing to other people. And there are so many different gifts and roles that God gives. This list is not exhaustive. There are other lists that we can read in Romans chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4, but all are equally important. And it's something that Paul actually goes on to say in the next section of this letter. All are equally important and they play a role in building up the church for the common good. I wonder if you've, hands up actually, who's ever seen the film Love Actually? (laughs) Seems a bit bizarre talking about Love Actually in the middle of June. Um, But... um, It's a great film, (laughs) and there's some great moments in it. Um, These guys in the front row agree with me. Um, But um, there's a particular favorite moment (laughs) uh, in that film when the children come home from school and proudly announce to their mum the roles that they've been given to play in the nativity. And uh, the little girl proudly announces that she has been given the role of first lobster (laughs) in the nativity, and um, you know, We pretty much know that there were no lobsters present (laughs) when Jesus was born. It's a completely pointless role, but I guess no more pointless than the octopus, uh, which also appears. (laughs) You know, it's a classic thing that schools do um, when it comes uh, round to the annual nativity play to help everybody feel included, to help everybody feel like they've got a role to play. And I had my very own experience of this when I was in reception, when I was cast as the icicle in the school nativity. Never was Mary, I was the icicle. You know, and maybe tonight, when we t- as we're talking here about gifts that God gives, you feel a little bit like the lobster or the icicle. That the part that you've been given to play is pointless, it doesn't matter, and it's redundant. You know, it wouldn't matter whether you turned up or not. Well, tonight I want you to hear that there are no lobsters or icicles in God's kingdom. The gifts God has given you and the gifts God wants to give are important for building up his church, and we have a responsibility to use them for the common good. We cannot just stick them in the loft, take them to a charity shop, or sell them on eBay. God knows what is best for us, and he knows, more importantly, what will build up his church. Gifts are given for the common good. And thirdly and finally, I just want to say that if if these gifts are going to be any good to us, then we've got to unwrap them. We've got to receive the gifts that God has for us. You know, it would be a little bit odd if you came to my house this week and we still had our tree up, and all the presents sitting beautifully wrapped underneath it. You know, that is not the point of having presents. The church is diminished when we don't press in and receive all the gifts that God has for us. I want you to imagine just for a moment that... um, I came to your house and I uh, went to the bottom of your garden and I filled up your wheelie bin uh, with solid gold. <laughs> it takes quite a bit of imagining, but there are a few different options that would be in front of you when I came and knocked on your front door and told you what I'd done. The first would be to shut the door in firmly in my face and uh, conclude that Ellie has completely lost the plot. <laughs> The second might be to go down to the garden and find out if what I've just told you is true. Or thirdly, uh, you say, well, thank you very much. I'm sure that's all good, but I just haven't got time now. If you knew how busy I was, you'd understand. I've got a to-do list longer than my arm, and there is no time to go down the garden and find out if what you said is true. And so you find yourself running here, there, and everywhere when the whole time there is a wheelie bin full of gold at the bottom of your garden that would completely change your life. If only you take the short journey down the path to go and check it out. You know, and it sounds absolutely ridiculous, I know, but I think we can do that with spiritual gifts. God has them ready to give us, but so often we're too busy running around here, there, and everywhere trying to do things in our own strength to unwrap them, to receive the gifts he wants to give. And it's just not the way that God intended us to be. And I'm sorry to say that I'm probably not going to come to your house this week, knock on your front door, and tell you that I filled up your wheelie bin uh, with solid gold. But tonight, God does have good gifts that he wants to give us and they're gifts that are gonna help us to flourish, and they're gonna be gifts that give us life, but also are gonna cause his church to flourish, and one another gathered here to receive life in all its fullness. At the start, I read that verse from Acts chapter 1, verse eight, where Jesus speaks of the power that he wants to give them, and that he's going to give them after he has gone to be with the Father. Well, just before Jesus says that, in verse 4, he says, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you've heard me speak about. Wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you've heard me speak about. You know, Jesus is there telling them to wait, to, to be properly kitted out before they go and try and make disciples of all nations. And sure enough, the Holy Spirit comes and they are equipped and sent out in the most remarkable way. You can read about it in Acts chapter 2 and the whole of, of the book. But I think so often, instead of waiting, we have a temptation and a tendency to run. We run ahead thinking we can do things in our own strength, in our own efforts, when the whole time God has power and tools that he wants to give us that are going to help us. to to do this stuff in the best possible way. So tonight, are we settling on our own ability or on his anointing? Are we using our own grit or are we reaching out for his gifts that are gonna help us? A month ago um, at uh, the great St. Mary's celebration, uh, if you were there, you'll have heard Jerry Field speaking. And as part of his talk, he spoke about receiving the gift of tongues. And off the back of that, uh, one of our family uh, here at HT, uh, Chris, uh, received the gift of tongues in a pretty remarkable way. And I've asked him to come up in just a a second and share a little bit of his story. But just before he does, uh, just very simply (laughs) speaking in tongues, uh, for those of you that don't know, it's it's a language, a prayer language that God gives us to help us to pray to him. It's a language that God gives to help us to pray to him. In Romans chapter 8, Paul writes that, you know, we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the spirit intercedes for us with groans words cannot express. And sometimes when I'm praying, I run out of words to say to God. And the gift of tongues is a language that helps us to pray to him, to praise him. And it's not usually a human language, but his spirit helps us to pray. And like all the other gifts, it's not a trophy to show off, but a tool God gives us to draw close to him. So I don't know where Chris is, but if you could come up and um, and share uh, just really briefly what happened to you a couple of weeks ago.
2: Thank you very much. So um, I've always been comfortable with the idea of um, people speaking, to, speaking in tongues. Those are the kinds of churches that I've gone to. So um, that's, that's always been something I've been um, comfortable with. But um, and if I'm honest, it was a gift that I always wanted to receive for myself. But um, I think, as you said, I had, probably did have that feeling that when the gifts were being given out, if I was um, overt about that, then I probably wouldn't get the gift and I'd feel left out and feel a bit foolish. So, um, so I've, I've never really found the right moment or the right time to, um, to ask for that gift. Um, but the last year for me has been really quite hard. It's been the, the, the most painful um, year of my life without doubt. I've had some difficult, um, difficult times and through that I've been really praying for more um, to, to see the spirit working in my life and working through me more. Um, and particularly recently, um, over the last few months, there have been two things that I've been uh, reflecting on in my prayer life. One was whether maybe the time was approaching when I should ask for the, for the gift of tongues and that I should accept that into, um, in, in to be blessed with that. Um, and the other was that God would show me that he was really holding my hand through um, some quite tough times uh, in my life. Um, And then a few weeks ago on a Saturday, I was chatting to a friend who who, um, speaks in tongues and prays in tongues um, from time to time. And um, I I said to him, do you know what, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna find the right time to ask to be blessed with the gift of tongues. And the very next day was the central celebration service um, at Great St. Mary's. So I really couldn't believe it when um, the sermon got to the point where um, he was talking about um, the gift of tongues. And he said, um, I really have a feeling that someone wants to know that, 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 that you just need to reach out and hold God's hand. And I thought, oh, hang on a minute, this is getting a bit, um, this is getting a bit specific. Um, and he said, and I think there are people here who want to receive the gift of tongues for the first time. And I, there was no doubt in my mind that that was the right place for me to be at the right time for me to receive the gift of tongues, except I was on the coffee rota. So, um, I was sitting there thinking, oh my word, this is one of the clearest moments in my life when I know that the Holy Spirit wants to move in me and I should be here right now. But I'm on the coffee rotor. Um, And to make it worse, I was actually sitting in a pew with the other people on the coffee rotor, blocking their exit. So it wasn't like I could just sit there discreetly and all serenely and let them go off and do their thing. Um, For me, for them to go and do the coffee meant I had to get up, wave at them and sort of shoo them out and then go and um, receive the gift. So um, like a coward, I. filed out with them and went off to go and do the coffee thinking, well, I'm supposed to be back over there. Um, and to be fair to the people who were on the rotor with me, I did say to them as we were going out of church, I think I'm supposed to be back in there getting the gift of tongues. Um, and they, they said, well, you should definitely, you should totally go back into church. But still, um, I stuck with my kind of um, instinct to go and help out with the coffee, um, which is appalling really. And afterwards I thought, this is classic Mary and Martha. There's like Jesus up in heaven thinking, how much more clear can I make it to you? I've told you I want to hold your hand. I've told you that um, you need to receive the gift of tongues, and you're going to put um, donuts out on paper, paper plates. Really, come on. Um, so I did feel like a bit of a, um, a bit of a fool, but um, really didn't want to let that moment go because, as I say, it really was. It really did feel like a clear, um, a clear indication that the time was right for me to receive that gift. So um, I emailed Ollie, and he um, agreed to pray with me the next uh, Sunday and gave me a couple of Bible verses to. Read reflect on, but he also said um, that actually this is quite a personal gift and maybe the thing to do would be to um, uh, spend some time uh, in private and to ask whether I might receive that gift. So I did. Um, That that night after receiving um, the email, I sat down, um, I knelt down on the floor in the middle of the living room. I shut the the curtains very tightly, obviously, in case the neighbors wondered what on earth was going on, and put some worship music on and spent a little bit of time um, worshiping to begin with. and then i I prayed and i asked um, to receive the uh, the gift of tongues and i expected and i think this is some people's experience of speaking in tongues the first time i expected that i would think that i sounded like a gibbering idiot and would stop after making like two sounds and think what am i doing this is clearly nonsense um and uh have to convince myself to carry on um but that wasn't at all what happened i asked the holy spirit to come and i asked that i would receive the the gift of tongues and i opened my mouth and started speaking in a really fluid Um, a continuous language that's not a language I've ever used or spoken before, um, that felt so authentic and real and a real expression of things that that I really were were deep inside me but I didn't know how to express in in words. And I have to say in the few weeks that I've um, been blessed with this gift, it has been an enormously wonderful addition to my prayer life because my difficult year is not showing any signs of getting any better. So um, there there have been times when I really feel like I want to, to to pray but run out of words to describe what it is that I'm praying about and um, being able to pray in tongues in those times so that I can spend time in prayer just lifting those concerns and those anxieties to God but without necessarily having to be restricted by the words of the English language and um, to do that has been enormously um, beneficial and I would encourage um, other people to to, to really um I wish I'd had the guts to ask for it and to uh, receive that gift earlier on because I'm no better a Christian um, today than I was when I became a Christian too many years ago to count. So there's no reason I could not have been blessed with this gift sooner, and I would encourage other people to to do the same. So that's my experience. Thank Thank you Chris, that's awesome.
1: God loves to pour good gifts out into his children's lives. And I was just so encouraged when I heard that story and just had to to share it so that we could all be encouraged as well. As we wait for him and as we ask him to fill us with his power, he loves to give good gifts to his children. You know, and the gifts that he gives... And the way that he gives them are going to be different. But there is one thing that is the same for every single gift. We've got to ask. (laughs) We've got to ask. God doesn't force the gifts upon us. In a couple of chapters after this one, in, in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1, Paul writes this. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the spiritual gifts especially, he says, the gift of prophecy. Eagerly desire the gifts, the spiritual gifts. Press in for them. Keep asking. Be persistent. And there's just two questions I want to ask us before we finish and we have a chance to respond. And the first is this. You know, maybe you want to ask God, What do you want to give me that will bless your church? What will build up the family of HT at this time? And then ask for that and eagerly desire that. But maybe there's a group here who've received the gifts in the past, but then have wrapped them up and put them back under the tree. In his letter to Timothy, Paul encourages young Timothy to to fan into flame the gift that he's received through the laying on of hands. And so the second question is, what gifts, God, have you given me that I'm not using? Like I've said several times, the gifts are not trophies we receive and then stash away in a cupboard, getting them out once a year to polish them off, dust them down, and then put them back again. You know, they're tools, tools to equip us, to help us, to empower us to do the things that God has called each of us to do. And for a tool to be any use, we've got to use it. It's not going to do any good sitting in a box. And God has given us gifts, tools to help us. All we've got to do is ask for them, receive them, and then use them to build his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And they're there and they're available for every single one of us tonight. There are no exceptions. You are not going to be overlooked. So we're going to have a chance to respond. And before Ollie comes to lead us in that, I just asked the band to come and play um, uh, a song uh, which many of us will probably know, Consuming Fire. <laughs> and there's a line in that, a prayer in that. Come like a rushing wind and clothe us with power from on high. And as the band play this, feel free to, to kind of make this your prayer or maybe ask God those questions that I've just mentioned. What do you want to give me that will bless your church or what have you given me that I'm not using? And we'll have a chance to, to do that and then, and then Ollie's going to uh, continue uh, leading us in response.